Welcome to the Touchdown with Aaron Masamula, an opportunity for you to interact with some of your sporting heroes. And of course, the big opportunity is for you to ask them some of your favorite questions. Today, we've got an absolutely legendary cricketer in South Africa, a truly illustrious career. And of course, one of the greatest honors that he's received quite recently is being named one of the greatest ever overseas player for English County cricket team, Warwickshire. And when you look at his career, the numbers speak for themselves. And as we know, numbers absolutely don't, don't lie. And taking a massive 2,500 wickets over his 300 um, test matches for South Africa, his 272 ODIs, and so many other games that he played in terms of first team um, cricket as well for South Africa. And that's, of course, the legendary fast bowler, Alan Donald. Alan, how are you doing today? Hi. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, great to be on your show. Uh, yeah, I just heard uh, um, you, know, you mentioned that, uh, that accolade. I started my, my, my long career um, um, with uh, Warwickshire in 1987. And there was yeah. a, a coach by the name of David Brown who came to South Africa in 1986, actually. Oh, wow. um, to 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 have a look because Warwickshire and South Africa had a exchange uh, partnership where yeah. they send players to us, uh, uh, you know, across South Africa, mainly Joburg, Cape Town, of course, um, mm. and, and Durban. They, they they sort of had an exchange program, and then he asked me whether I was keen to come out and, uh, oh, and play. Wow. So, look, I I never. Had, you know, blinked an eye on that on that offer, and uh, I yeah. went over there as a, as a young Afrikaans boy. Mm. Um, didn't really speak much proper English, um, <laughs> so <laughs> sort of very broken English. But I was so keen to just to get stuck in, and and, yeah. and and that was the start of a very long relationship. And then, of course, you look back at it now, and and I um, I was I was contacted by a guy by the name of Brian Helford, who's mm. a, a, a a writer for um, the Warwickshire, uh, he's, he's produced many books, and he's a he's a very very clever man. Yeah. Um, and he started this thing about who's the best overseas player that Warwickshire ever had, and uh, followed it a little bit. And um, <laughs> you know, just to be just to be amongst those five names, you know, yeah. Alvin Kalicharan, who who most people know, played for Free State yes. back in the day. A little genius of a batsman. Indeed. Um, then, of course, Rowan Canna. Of course, I, I never, I never really um, uh, seen him play much, and, and, and met him once or twice when he was at uh, at, at Edgebaston. Yeah. Uh, Brian Lara, of Yo. course, what yes. an absolute genius of a player a he was. Uh, <laughs> you know, in '94, he was unstoppable, and you know, he, he just yeah. um, scored tons of runs. Um, look. Um, I, I, just to be part of those five names, mm. I would absolutely take it. Uh, if you said to me, yeah. I would be part of five overseas players and then to be nominated by by the members and the fans to be the best overseas player was was a, a massive feather in my cap. And I really appreciate those. It taught me so much right from the word go, stepping into the wide world, right yeah. out of the army, straight into cricket, straight on your own. Um, and just taught me so much about life. Um, mm. Also, grew up learning my game in England from '87 to '91. Yeah, um, when I got back in international cricket. So, um, but it, it 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 taught me a heck of a lot just about the person that I became and 
and uh, the achievements that I had with such a wonderful club. Very true. And I love what you mentioned there in terms of the names that you've been named amongst because sometimes we, we, we forget the greatness of the past because now you've got the Riyadh Cody's of the world, you've got the AB De Villiers of the world, and we forget that some of the true legends of the game are some of those that aren't even playing anymore. And I love the fact that you have been um, named amongst this list of great, um, great, absolutely great English um, county players as well. I think I would love to take it back to, to the beginning of where you specifically fell in love with, um, with the sport of, of, of cricket. You know, um, when, when's the first time you actually held a ball and you realized that, you know what, actually I'm bowling at quite a decent pace? Uh, I was about 13. I was about 13. Uh, I I played uh, very little um, cricket before that age, actually. I I, I loved my rugby. I still Mm. do. Um, um, Of course, a massive cheetah supporter. I was Um, about to ask you a key question. (laughs) (laughs) There's no doubt about that. I've always been uh, a a big cheetah supporter. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I... I actually bowled, a lot of people laugh when I, when I say, I actually bowled some leg spin when I started. And, oh, wow. Uh, sure. Yeah, so I started off as a bit of a leggy. I fancied myself playing in the park. And, and uh, so one of, our, one of our players got injured. And um, so the, the um, teacher asked me whether I was keen just to bowl a few seam up. Mm. And uh, so I said, okay, I'll give it a go. Never look back. Never looked Yo. back since that day, and I bowled these big in duckers, and um, you know, and I was excited about that because I knew there was something else that I've discovered all of a sudden. Um, yeah, and then the, you know that's where our backyard cricket, our backyard test matches, our park test mm. matches started back in those days, and my, of course, my uh, um, friendship with uh, the Hansi, uh, you know, Hansi Cronier and, yeah. and France Cronier. And of course, Yemi Kronier started at primary school mm. and that really got me excited about cricket, you know. So, and I, and I, I realized at a young age, although my, I think my, my, my dad, my, my granddad, um, um, especially, they realized that I had a little bit of talent and uh, I should pursue this. And I think my uncle, uh, Des Donald, he, he took over because he was at Brebner Primary School. He was the headmaster there yeah. for, for many, many years. And um, so that's where that bond between uncle and and um, uh, uh, nephew started. So uh, it, it, it was a, a lovely, you know, he taught me a lot about the game because he was also, he coached um, uh, uh, the Bloemfontein sides back in those days. He also uh, was a, a, a very good hockey coach uh, at national level as well. So his sporting background yeah. and he's, a little, you know, he's an old school guy, and uh, I know my uncle would uh, forgive me. He's an he's an old school tough guy, you know. Yes. So he showed you tough love. So um, he he was a good teacher, uh, understands sports because he was a he, because he was not only a teacher and a headmaster, but he was also a, a, a very fine cricket coach in his in his own right. So I stuck close to him. He taught me a lot about well, a lot of things really. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's how my career just blossomed from, from there on. You know, I played for uh, Free State Under-13s uh, and then 
Bloemfontein schools under 15s and, uh, wow. and of course then the under 19, uh, 84 I think, 84 and 85 I played for South African schools. The one year I was 12th man and the next year Daryl uh, uh, Cullinan was, he was the captain in 84 and yeah. uh, Gary Kirsten was my captain in uh, 85. So, uh, and that relationship with Gary Kirsten just went on and on. And, and you know, we played a lot of cricket for South Africa. Oh, wow. Well. That's absolutely amazing. And I think playing cricket throughout your younger years, I would love to know, because I mean, for myself as, as, as a fast bowler, when I was in primary school and high school, we used to look up to the greats like Alan Donald. I would love to know who did you specifically look up to and who are some of the people that you thought that if I could possibly dream and imagine myself to be a specific cricketer or bowl a certain way, who were some of the names that came to your mind? Um, I, uh, when I was at my, my grandparents' house a lot because yeah. I was preparing for a game, so I, my, my, dad, my mom and dad used to work weekends as well at the hospital, at the post office, so it was a, it was, they, they had a long hour. So I stayed with my grandparents and I used to really study the, not study, but just get my, my, my cricketing world familiar with the names that's been out there. So the Cricketer, yeah. the Cricketer magazine and the Wisden magazine, um, who's, that's still going today, um, I used to page through them and, and I looked at photos of Malcolm Marshall, uh, nice. Michael Holding, and ironically... I I familiarized myself with the great West Indian quicks. Um, oh. I was a I don't know why. Um, <laughs> and uh, look, I, I I knew of Dennis Lilly. Um, um, I knew of uh, um, Vincent van der Bale, Clive Rice, Hugh Page, Rupert yeah. Hanley, um, Stephen Jeffries, Garth Larue, all these great South African bowlers. Mike Proctor, who became my coach. Um, a little bit later uh, in my career. Mm. So, um, but it's difficult, you know, while I was playing and, and, and also while I was playing county cricket, I, I, I struggled with one thing and that's, I knew I had pace, yeah. but I struggled, I struggled because I never had any rhythm. And oh, so my, I so I, I was a, I was a, I, I was looking for that, for, you know, Bob Woolmer then obviously came into the picture and he mm. changed my whole, career he changed my whole career um just simply because he was a scientist he was a very good coach and had an unbelievable understanding of what a bowling action should look like yeah um so um and so i looked at guys and you know try to copy a few and uh, yeah. you know it works for only like a few <laughs> a few <laughs> days and then you try something else but you know I would like to urge a lot of kids ask me about rhythm and stuff like that when you go yeah. in the coaching world. And I keep saying to them, experiment a lot. Don't be mm. just one mi single-minded. Don't be just single-minded and say, well, I want to be like so-and-so. So play around with looking at guys like, you know, uh, Dale Stain is a great example. Yeah. Um, Rabada is a great example. Mm. Keep trying to copy those guys. If it doesn't work, eventually you'll find out who you are and what your style is. Yeah. Um, so it took me a long time. It took me a long time. And I think the definitive moment for me was when I uh, was introduced to a sprint coach at um, Birmingham University. 
Ooh. And uh, I worked with this guy for about four weeks and he taught me how to run properly. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> that absolutely changed my whole my whole career right round because I, I became very deliberate in my approach, very slow, very rhythmical. I, uh, the sprinters call it something like a word called bounce. You know, they, mm. they never flat footed. They, yes. they, they, they touch and go, touch and go, if yes. you know what I mean. So, um, and that really put a new dimension to what I was looking for ultimately. And that just became my brand. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely beautiful. And one of the big things that I've, I've noticed about the great Alan Donald is the fact that you're, you're also a family man. You're also a man that is well-grounded. And, and that's where you, you, you almost find your strength because we all know that, that sports and, and work is such an important part of our life. But at the end of the day, you do need to return home. And you mentioned the support of your, your grandparents and your parents as well. How important is family to you? And it has been throughout your career. Well, I must say, um, when I was playing, uh, before I actually got that step higher, I, I, you know, all your, I, I was lucky enough that my, my granddad, my two uncles, my dad, um, and, and even my, my granny back then, they were great cricket yeah. lovers, and uh, <laughs> they paid a lot of interest in what I was doing, and my uncles and aunts and all sorts. So they were well aware of what I can achieve if I just put my head to it and and, and, and they realized quickly that I was quite driven about what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. Um, I think that's the great, the great thing about today's young youngsters out there, that you, you, mm. you have to have that inner, inner drive and inner passion. And, and you know, you're going to have a lot of bumps and bruises along the way. But once you get through there and you realize what you can do, it's amazing how far you can go. But, I mean, I got married in 1991. Yeah. Um, to, uh, uh, um, an English lady from Birmingham and um, you know then professional cricket and international what professional cricket came became international cricket and yeah. then you you know along came two children uh, Hannah and Oliver um, gosh when one's married already um, <laughs> my daughter got married uh, last last December the 16th mm. and and my my son Oliver is currently in the UK sitting out this uh, coronavirus but yeah. Um, but to, to, to balance that between what your passion is and what your work is, yeah. is an extremely difficult thing. And there's a lot of sacrifices that you, you, you make mm. to have that balance in, in life, in your professional life. You know? And I've, I've been unbelievably lucky and blessed that uh, um, my family, my wife, my two kids have been glued to me from from a from a from a very young professional age so um and it's yeah i mean it's tough it really mm. is tough and it puts a lot of strain I, we often talk about the, the golfers you know the golfers that travel with families these yeah. days you know it's, it's a very very difficult thing and also i think that um we if i look at the current modern day cricketer now and what is yeah. involved in now you know mm. you're playing in all the leagues across the world um, test matches are ramped up. One day internationals, World Cups, T20 World Cups. Um, it's incredible how these guys have got to find um, find a, a balance to to um, with their family and the sport that they they dearly love. But look, I, I, I've I've got through it now, and I've, I've um, 
in the coaching world now, so uh, yeah. it, does, it doesn't get any easier anyway. <laughs> but uh, I've, I've been very blessed anyway. Very true. I would love to, to, to hear from you. You mentioned your son and your daughter. And one of the special things that I've come to notice about you in terms of your fan base and how we as fans know Alan Donald is that's, of course, the white lightning because of how blistering fast your balls are when you actually ball. Is there any specific nicknames that your family, maybe your uncle or maybe your daughter or son have given you throughout the years? Something that we as fans might not know? <laughs> um... Um, I think that when I played uh, for Free State, uh, I did my groin once, yeah. and, um, and I was uh, um, I was at the Cronier's house actually when it happened because I stayed over. I, ca- I caught a lift with Hansi to the ground every day, so yeah. I did my groin, and his and his mum uh, actually. Um, I don't know if I should mention this on air, but uh, she she. Um, um, you know, she nicknamed me Slingerling. So, um, <laughs> so just put one and two together and, and, and go a little bit further of, you know, yeah. having injured your groin. Yeah. Um, so and that's where that name stuck, you know, yeah. um, from France and, 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 um, and Hester Cronier and, of course, uh, um, Hansi's mum yeah. uh, never stopped n- naming that. So they always call me Sling. So um, I've been called other names as well, Al Bundy, um, you know, the great legendary, well, I wouldn't call it legendary Al Bundy, but uh, uh, Mark Goucher started calling me that when he was behind the stumps. Uh, then Brad Smith was, uh, ultimately started calling me Bundy. So, um, and then the, the, the white lightning thing was, was an interesting one because um, it was in Sydney in 93-94 series, uh, our first Aussie tour away, um, when we blitzed Australia in, in that unbelievable test match where we only defended 116. And the next day, the next day in the papers, uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, it was uh, White Lightning Blows Australia Away. And, nice. you know, and they and just started from there. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it's got it's stuck, and uh, it's not about the white paint or the wall paint. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was added a little bit later on. Oh, that's absolutely beautiful. Trust me, I think that's a gem. Many people might not have heard that. Um, I think looking <laughs> at your at your career, I mean, you've got such an illustrious career. You you played with so many greats. For example, your stint in in England, your stint for South Africa in terms of being a youngster and also towards the latter part of, of your career. In terms of some of the players that really stand out for you, in terms of partnerships that you possibly bowled with, who are um, some of the, the names that, that really stand out for you? Is it just in general? No, no South African teammates that you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, just in general, overall, because your well, career spans far and wide. I was, I was lucky enough to have an open door to a lot of players. My very first game against Ian Botham um, was in 87. So um, I played against Worcester and um, busted a gut and I was in awe about this guy Botham and uh, and Graham Dilley because they just won the Ashes. They came back from the 85-86 Ashes or 86-87 Ashes and they absolutely cleaned the Australians up 
over there. Um, in my dressing room, there was a certain guy by the name of Gladstone Small. Um, and um, those guys who don't know Gladstone Small, he's the guy with no neck. And uh, oh. so, so, but he became a great friend and we, we still talk. Um, a great bowler, a, a, a magnificent teammate. And, and, and although he wasn't probably doesn't rate himself as a coach, but he was a coach to me. But yeah. coming back to that story, I walked past our dressing room and Ian Botham was sitting there. He was the last man still sipping on his glass of wine um, <laughs> at the end of the day's play. And um, he called me in and uh, mm. his, his agent was sitting next to him. Um, and um, he just said to me, well, bold. It was a great oh. day. Well, well, I was only 19, 19, 20 years old. And, uh, um, you know, for him to say that, say, I thought you, you hung a hunging really well. And that, then you start moving around the country, the, the yeah. counties. And this to, you know, the guys that were there were Richard Hadley, who I spent a lot of time with, um, just understanding his psyche and philosophy about fast bowling. Um, then the great Malcolm Marshall came along he was Amsh's coach, and I spent four days, played a four-day game down in Southampton against him. And Malcolm Marshall, I spent in his dressing room almost, well, probably two and a half days out of the four, I spent just listening to his stories. Incredible. I, I think I rate him as the best fast bowler I have ever seen. Um, you know, um, wow. I, I, he took 12 wickets against um, Warwickshire, in my first meeting with, with against Hampshire with the two Smith brothers, Robert yeah. and Chris, um, and Malcolm Marshall, I sat in the opposite stand. I just wanted to have, go and have a look and see what this guy does and how he moves up and down the crease. Where is he swing it from? How does he line batters up? How does he set them up? And uh, it, was a, it was a show. It was mm. an absolute show mm. to see and a lesson to see, an exhibition really, to see how this guy does things. You know? and, you know, I, I, I was lucky in that time. There was a lot of good West Indian players there. Got a lot of good uh, Australian players, Border, War, um, and of course, um, Gordon Greenwich, Haynes, top West Indian players that uh, were still operating in county cricket. So I had access to some amazing knowledge that was open. It was an open door, you know, come in, sit down, you know, wow. have a drink. Um, I think the modern day game now, as people always say that you're old school, you guys, the day's play, of course, you were tired, but you learned your game, you learned your game in the opposition chamber. And that's that the uh, Robbie East for Free State one day told me, come with me, sit next to me, keep your mouth shut and listen. And uh, it took me into into the Transvaal dressing room, which where there were, well, you know, Rice, uh, Sylvester Clark, um, Mackenzie, um, you know, all these great, great players, Jimmy Cook. Um, so, look, I was very lucky to have spent so much time amongst those players. They were, they were incredible. And their knowledge was unbelievable. And um, it's something that just goes in and you bank and you bank yeah. all the time. It was absolutely awesome. Wow. Absolutely amazing because I think sometimes the importance of, of learning and being invested in the process and the opportunities that you had to, to learn from some of the greats is also testament to why you in, in, in your own right, in your own career, 
became so great as well because you were able to, to become a sponge and absorb that, that wisdom as well. And I'm certain amongst all the, the focus and, and, the, and the hard nature of cricket, because we all know that we as cricketers are quite competitive, I'm sure there was some banter as well. I would love to hear um, some of the stories because I think for, for many of us young cricketers, I think the slips is, is also a very good part because you're standing right behind the batsman, the fast bowlers coming in, and you can throw in a chirp here and there. What are some iconic moments that when you think of just fielding, not necessarily bowling, you can really think of some special moments, especially as I, as I ask you the question, I think of, of somebody like Makai Antini, who's always been, been, been talking on the side of the field. Is there any specific moment that stands out for you? 